I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Friday. Nick Saban was positive. The line dropped against Georgia. Now the second test is uncertain. The line is back up, but not all the way back. Welcome to 2020. Dodgers down 3-1. Now only a 20% chance to advance. Kershaw does it again. We're going to lead with that. Game of the week. Browns at Pittsburgh opened only a field goal, been bet up to minus four in some spots. Here comes a full hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. It's Friday, the culmination of the week. All the work, all the prep. It comes to a head in the next hour in studio. Not doing as much work as me, but doing some. Steve Fezzik. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans to know more than their buddies. Now, we're pros. He's a Joe, but he's the Joe in Los Angeles, Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got a Friday before a slew of games in the NFL, the possible return of Nick Saban coming up tomorrow. What is the Vegas lead here on this Friday? I think the most topical, and we're going to get through it quick because it's a football Friday, but I think it's Kershaw and the Dodgers. And by the way, just for those out there, Fezzik's doing his best bet right after this, like two minutes. We're leading. It's Oscar style. But Fez, in that analogy, you're the best supporting actress. Actress? Uh, well, hey, listen, I don't I do not do the Oscars. <laughs> and RJ, it was last night, the Atlanta Braves all over the L.A. Dodgers. 10-2 was the final. Atlanta has a 3-1 series lead in the NLCS, looking to advance to the World Series if they can finish off the Dodgers later on tonight on Fox Sports 1. Let me ask you, because you do have that fan's perspective, what do you think is going on? I mean, this is multiple years. What is going on? Well, I don't think that it's all completely on Clayton Kershaw as far as the struggles. He has not been great in the postseason. That's documented. But at some point, you know, these batters, I mean, they had a, a couple of really good innings uh, in the previous game. They had a couple of really good innings in the prior game before that. But these batters and these bats just go cold, and they went cold last night when they needed them the most. And it feels like same old story, bases loaded opportunity to get back into it. They weren't able to come up with anything. And so to sit there with two runs at the end of that game and just a, a handful of hits, not a good look for the Dodgers. Here's the question. Number one, is there some reason the Dodgers play below their expectations, below their ability, below the regular season results in the playoffs? Is there a reason? Maybe yes, maybe no. But you know what? Let's say no. Just hypothetically. 
Now there's another factor, which is what does what do the Dodgers believe? What does Kershaw believe? Because there's a concept, self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you think something's going to happen, and kind of the flip side of this and the positive is the secret, right? Something Oprah years ago, book club, you think it, it will happen. And there's all kind of you know, brain mapping type, you know, can the brain even tell a difference between envisioning something and actually it happening? I don't know, Fez, you would have had a lot more dates in high school if that were the case, so we don't know for sure about all that. But what we know is, you, you following? I'm following, but I don't think visualization would have made a difference in this case. If it, if it did, <laughs> you would have been a happy dude. But here we are now, you have a mansion and a yacht. What do you think is going on here? I think that the fact that Kershaw has been so bad in the playoffs, how bad? His ERA during the regular season, right around two and a half. In the playoffs, it's been almost two runs higher. So it's got to be the monkey on his back where whenever he starts to struggle, he's well, thinking about it. It doesn't that. have to be that it, because the theory is there's, he might be a choker. Just simply, he might be the kind of person that struggles when the pressure is on. I'm not saying he is. Obviously, the most high-pressure time he pitches is in the playoffs, and he is significantly worse during the playoffs. And the narrative has always been that, oh, he's worn down from a full season. That's why he struggles in the playoffs, but this wasn't— Why would he wear down any more than any other elite pitcher? I don't know that, but I can tell you this, that the the expectation, the hope was that, oh, this is a short season, so he'll be good in the playoffs, and now he blew up in the key game. Jonas, you're in Los Angeles— Amongst Dodger fans, what is their mindset? Their mindset uh, about is, Kershaw. Uh, it's same old story, but it's getting to the point in his career where you can no longer rely on him to continue to go uh, deep innings or deep into games. Because I mean, look, he missed his initial start because he had back spasms. He's getting up there in age, and it's not only Kershaw. It's on the back end with Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen, there's been a steady decline over the past couple of years, which brings up all sorts of question marks about their closer. And I just wonder if their best opportunity was squandered a couple of years ago when they were in the World Series back-to-back years and came up short and now you wonder if this is sort of the steady decline. Although they added Mookie Betts and they've got a great lineup, that lineup just doesn't show up consistently in the postseason. Here's the question. I'm RJ Bell straight out of Vegas. Last thought on this. Some of this might be us looking back in hindsight and saying oh look, he's that guy that chokes. Oh look, he lost a game. He's a choker again. I mean, two starts in the playoffs so far, ERA 1.28. And then the score was tied, I think, Jonas, correct me if I'm wrong, one-to-one going in the sixth. So at that point, if you stop time and say, how's Kershaw doing? It'd be like, this is as good a playoffs. At that point, there'd be three games in, an ERA 1.28, the first two, an ERA... What, 1.33? A little high, one and a half in this game. So we're talking about an ERA of less than one and a half after three games if he was just taken out. Now, there's a theory going around the analytics Twitter saying if you look at Kershaw in the playoffs, he actually does outstanding up to his season norms year after year now we're talking the first time through a lineup. 
But there's something about – now, listen, that's what, three innings, four innings? There's something about the second, third time through he's really struggling, which could be Fez the fatigue factor, but you wouldn't think this year. Now, the question I asked was, and I didn't hear an answer, McKenzie and Research, if you got one, jump in, is why would this be the case in the postseason, the second time through, third time through, it's a problem, more so than the regular season? I think it's a magnification of the nerves you guys were talking about. Well, but nerves yep. and fatigue are two different things. I, th- I think there's no more pressure time than late in the playoffs, and I think he goes with his bread and butter pitches that are quite frankly predictable at this point. <sighs> Amateur hour there. To me, the idea that oh he gets nervous, so but he's not nervous at the beginning, but he's nervous the second time through the lineup. I get nervous in the seventh inning, eighth inning, but what about the second time through, right? Because the second time is going to happen in the fourth inning, even mm-hmm. if you're doing decently. I don't know. Obviously, the Dodgers are spending tens of millions of dollars on this. You just got to wonder. And I know Roberts gets a lot of heat, Jonas, but here's my question. It's the final one. Why not take him out in the sixth? Because what are you risking by keeping him in? Was he clearly the better pitcher considering his history, especially in later innings, at that point? No. Now, what happens if he got lucky or, got, or did good and pitched his way out and they won the game? It'd be just to continue, oh, good this year, wait till the World Series, That's, or wait till we get to the whatever. Right? It's always going to be an open question. He will never be like, he's rock solid, Kershaw in the playoffs. He's always going to have these doubts. Why put him in a situation that we're leading the show with this? Why put him in a situation that if he does do poorly, it's going to be in his head. Do you really want to bet Kershaw if he pitches again at this point? Right? Wouldn't you agree, Fez? His expected performance is much, much worse because of him getting hit here? Absolutely. Jonas, does that make sense to you? Yeah, and that's really the main question that people are asking. And, And you're kind of in a... Dave Roberts is in a tough spot because if you take him out, and he's p- pitching as well as he was pitching last night. If you take him out and you bring in guys out of the bullpen who have struggled, and they struggled when they brought th- those guys in after Kershaw, then the question is going to be, well, why didn't you just leave him in there? If he was pitching as well as he was, you know, forget about the history, focus on the now. Why, why'd you leave him in there? And it just feels like Dave Roberts is in a no-win situation. But in that case, Roberts would have gotten the questions and taken the heat from Kurt. Mm-hmm. Kershaw would have been untouchable bulletproof if you take him out there because his playoff stats would have been outstanding. Roberts might have got some questions, but that's his job, right? Keep the head right. Keep Kershaw's head right. The only thing you were gaining was, oh, Kershaw is so much better in this spot than our relief. I don't see how that amount was anything more than a small amount, and maybe not even that, considering his history, but you were risking. It's almost like there's a bet in the middle of the pot, and then there's a side bet. And on that side bet, you can't win anything, because Kershaw's never going to be rock-solid playoff guy. Don't worry about it, buddy. He's never going to get there. He could only get worse. He could only have more of a rep of a choker. So you were betting on that side pot with nothing to gain on Mm. the other side. Does that make sense, Fred? It does make sense. All right. R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas. Speaking of sense, we'll see. 
You've got your early bet, or this is your best bet of the week. We're doing it early. Yeah, 49ers plus three against the Rams. I am on the Niners. Huge situational edge for the Niners. Third straight road game for the Niners. And look at the Rams. Right, third straight road game for? Third straight home game for the Niners. The Rams, it's their second straight road game, but also it's their fourth road game, the Rams, in the past five weeks, including three trips to the East Coast. So I get a Rams team that has tons of frequent flyer miles on them against a Niners team that's been home for three weeks. Huge edge 49ers. I like this pick. Two other reasons. One, Shanahan's had an edge over McVay, both as a head coach, but even more so... Let's say beyond that, as coordinators, it's just known inside of coaching, Shanahan has McVay's number to some degree. And additionally, the line move. If you had bet this game last week, so the only thing that's happened since then is the one game from each team. If you had bet it last week, 49ers were favored by three. Now the 49ers are getting three? Yes. Are you getting three or three and a half? I'm getting three. So there's been a six point move off of what? Rams, fine. They look no problem. Real good game against real, Washington. Real good sure. game against Washington, against <laughs> Alex Smith. But then on the other hand, you had the 49ers look about as bad as any team can look. How much should that change things? A point, point and a half? That's it. Not six points. And what was the cause of the 49ers problems? Jimmy G played worse than he's probably ever played. He was injured before. Do we believe Jimmy G became not just an average quarterback, but one of the worst in the league? No. He was injured. I think with another week, if he's expected to play, which he is, you got, you don't think Shanahan puts him out there in the same physical limited or limiting state. So if he gets better, the big problem from the last game goes away in theory. So you've adjusted for it. But it might not be the case anymore. If, if we knew Jimmy G was that hobbled, I would want no piece of this. Yes. But either would Shanahan. So I think Shanahan putting him on the field presupposes whatever limitations he had physically, they've gotten a lot better. Would you agree with that? Yes. And I really think Jimmy G got rushed back last week and came back one week too early. Well, that's what you're hoping, at least. Yes. <laughs> Fez is a master at reiterating me. When we come back, we're going to go over literally every other NFL game in one superset. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will begin our preview of every single game in the NFL, Vegas style. This is our most popular segment of the week. Every Friday, a little before 25 after the hour, we start and we don't stop till we're done. Fez already gave you his best bet, which is... San Fran, plus three at home. Three and a half earlier this week, Fed, taking the worst of it, huh? I am. Feeling okay about that? I'm fine. Now, how's your record doing? I saw recently, I was looking through some old quarterback, like Joe Namath, you know how they used to talk about after he won that Super Bowl, how bad he was? You know? <laughs> yes. He was like a, I saw once he was 10 out of 17. Oh, no, wait, he was 10 out of 27. How's your record? Well, that's the same record, 10, 17, and 1. 
Oh my God! So it was like one of Joe Namath's like horrible <laughs> games. Now you are in the super contest. You got your own entry. You're like what? Fifteen winners and how many losers? Fifteen ten. and ten. So how is it that you're fifteen and ten there and ten and seventeen here? Well, part of it is I started red hot week one and we started this experiment oh, week two. Oh, yeah, that's not all of it though. That's not all of it. What else is it? A lot of it is the lines that we're playing against and the decisions I made. And that's important to realize. In this bet, guys, you might be saying, Why would RJ bet Fezzik? That's his hand picked expert. And you know why? Because even the best can be handicapped too much. Remember this. When the Patriots were undefeated during the regular season, they went all the way to 18-0. The Patriots, if you had started betting against them, you said, they're 8-0. I think they're horrible. I'm going to bet against them. Not horrible, but overrated. I'm going to bet against them every game. You think, that guy's crazy because they ended up winning the next, what, 10 games and lost one. So they were 10-1 from there, RJ. That would have been horrible. No. Patriots backers lost their shirts from then on. If you would have faded the undefeated team, you would have made big money. Think about that a second. The best season ever. Yeah, if you don't count the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Ten and one to finish the year after an eight-no start, and literally you would have lost money betting them. Why? Because the spread is the great equalizer. You know what's the great equalizer for a good batter? Volume. You force them to play too many games. It's a good lesson out there, kids. Seven's too many, Fez. I agree. You know what we should do this week? I want you to start picking your two worst picks. Meaning, I want you to tell me this is pick number six and this is pick number seven. And we'll see if that makes a difference. (laughs) Yes. All right, baby. Let's do it. Oh, by the way, blah, 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 blah. Listen on the iHeartRadio app. Blah, blah. It's 87. All right, RJ, so let's get it started, and we start in Carolina. We're right now on pregame.com. The Panthers are a pick hosting the Bears. Yeah, the Bears have played the following quarterbacks. Matthew Stafford, Daniel Jones, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, and Tom Brady. Think about that. Stafford, good. Jones, no. Matt Ryan, still good, though not a great season. Phillip Rivers, older, at least average at this point. Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. It's a pretty good lineup, right? The Bears have forced that lineup to have the second worst passer rating of all defenses are able to generate. So the Bears effectively are the second best pass defense against those really good on average, I'd say, across the board quarterbacks. Everyone's thinking about, oh, how good is this starting quarterback or that starting quarterback? No, no, no. The Bears' D is playing really well, and that's driving their success. And the conversation is more about Nick Foles, and that's a mistake. And by the way, Carolina obviously doing better than people think or thought they would. But Carolina's been doing it with Bridgewater. It hasn't really been the running. I think the Bears do well against this offense. I lean Bears. We keep it in the south, and we go to Jacksonville, where right now the Lions are three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Jags. Now, listen, the Jags have sucked me in a couple of times this year. It has not been pretty. They have the worst defense. Jacksonville has the worst defense by DVOA in the entire NFL. Okay, someone's got to be worse, right? Okay. Here's the amazing thing. In the red zone, that's where three points or seven points is decided. And it is so important. So important. They have the 10th best defense, Jacksonville. 
So whenever you see a big difference, either pro or con, between the red zone D and the full game D, assume the full game D is correct. It's just the red zone D has less sample, right? So as time passes, it's going to move towards the bigger sample size. It's like if you are shooting basketball seven days a week at seven different courts and you shoot 50% on free throws, but there's just one court you're shooting 70% on, Odds are you just are getting lucky doing that small. Now, there might be something about the rim or something, but it's not the case. The red zone is not easier to play D. So Jacksonville literally has the worst defense, and they're probably looking better than they actually are, which is scary. And I'm on Detroit minus three in uh, this game. Were you on Detroit before I gave you that? Oh, you've got my list oh, okay. there. Yeah, and this is actually my weakest pick. It's about strength. This of is s- number seven. This is number seven. It's about strength of schedule here. Both teams only have one win, but Detroit has played the second hardest schedule in the NFL. Dan Quinn is out in Atlanta, but the Falcons are in Minnesota taking on the Vikings. Right now, the Vikings a four-point favorite on pregame.com. The question everyone's been asking is, what's the reaction to a coach being fired? They saw with Houston, and they said, oh, they must have picked the team up. It must be a good thing. But if you look over the last 11 or 12 occurrences, it's been a bad thing. Like the last 11, I think, are 3-8 and eight against the spread, counting the Houston win. But then if you look before that, it was really good against the spread. Fez, you used to talk about that. <laughs> So what do you what do we think? You add it up over a decade, it's about even. So I think there's no way to play it, either pro or con. But I'll tell you this, what you should play is Zimmer off a loss. The Minnesota coach off a loss in his career, 30 winners, 10 losers against the spread. 30 and 10. I'm gonna do some quick math. That's 75%. Lean Minnesota. RJ, the Titans, fresh off their Tuesday win over the Buffalo Bills, are three-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Texans. I've never seen a sneakier bad spot. I mean, a horrible spot that Tennessee – I guess Tennessee benefited from that horrible spot against Buffalo. So everyone was questioning Tennessee. They said, wait a minute, this team's undefeated, 3-0. But they haven't covered one sp- one spread. It was like, oh my gosh! In fact, they were the first team, Tennessee, in history, to win the first three games straight up, but lose the first three against the spread. So everyone was skeptical. Then they dominate in front of the world. Henry with that great stiff arm. Yay, Titans! Oh, they made the championship game, didn't they, last year? That was the reaction. But think about this: as much as Tennessee had a disadvantage, COVID delays, lack of practice. Think about Buffalo, Saturday, Sunday, even into Monday. They knew there was two possibilities of their next game. They didn't know who they were going to play. Literally, it could have been Tuesday, like it ended up being, Buffalo at Tennessee. Or if Tennessee would have had another positive, they would have canceled that game. And Buffalo was going to play on Thursday against Kansas City. There's never been a time in NFL history that – Within three days, you're going to play either this team or that team. How do you get ready for it? I don't think you can. And to me, that is a massive disadvantage for Buffalo, which what does that do? That makes Tennessee look a lot better than they really were. And I'm on Houston plus the three and oh a half. Oh, my gosh. Just, <laughs> go ahead. It's about Cooks and Fuller. Houston has two good it's wide receivers. Who? Bup and buh. 
Cooks and Fuller, the two okay. good wide receivers for Houston. Neither one has missed a game. Both have been banged up all year long. Last week, both guys got targeted 20 times. That was way more targets than they've been targeted all year long. With Cooks and Fuller in there, Houston's a better team when they're both 100%. What's the second guy's name? Fuller. Will Fuller. Is he saying that? How would you say that name, Jonas? Will Fuller. Yeah, Fuller, not Fuller. Why do you say it like that? I thought I did say that. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny. Is that why you say those words really fast so you don't have to enunciate? Like, Let me ask you a question, though. Why would they stay healthy if they've never stayed healthy any other game but one? Because they've both been dealing with these. Yeah, that's what they, they've been dealing with those injuries for their whole careers, right? Pretty much. Yeah, but. So why would they be healthy now all of a sudden? They were healthy last week and they both look good. And history tells us what? How long do they Eventually stay? they'll get hurt. Eventually or pretty much every game. So his handicap is a t- a two players that rarely ever stay healthy in their careers stayed healthy for one game, <laughs> and Fuller was one of them. And somehow that means they're going to stay healthy this game. Yes. Hmm. I see why we're winning this bet, Jonas. <laughs> we continue on our Vegas-style preview of every game in the NFL, and we go to the Giants hosting Washington. We're right now on pregame.com. New York is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. You know I'm not a conspiracy theorist, Jonas, but I've got conspiracy theories on my mind right now. What is Washington's intention? Are they trying to win or is there something more important to the Washington football team than winning? You might say, RJ, you don't sound like, that doesn't sound like you, a skeptic, all cynical, Jonas style. Well, here's my point. Who in America thought that Alex Smith gave Washington a better chance to win that game than admittingly now with reports Kyle Allen was ready to come back in. The doctor had cleared him, not to mention the fact that Haskins wasn't even dressed. You can you can dress three quarterbacks. I mean, Flipper Allen has little hands. He's going to get hurt a decent amount. He's been hurt almost, again, like Fuller even. He gets hurt every third game. And then you have Alex Smith who hasn't stepped on the field for two years. It's amazing he's walking without a limp. Let's give the guy credit. But why did Washington leave in Alex Smith, who was 0 for 17 in success rate? They have a concept, success rate. He was 0 and 17 on his plays. Think about that. Not one play that was successful. You only need four and a half yards on one play in the first down to be successful. You just got to make one first down to be successful. You know what? In those 17 plays, the net yards for Washington was minus 24. That's not success. But still, they said, Kyle Allen, you keep on the bench. We want Alex Smith out here. Haskins is out the door, it seems like. I'm suspicious about Washington's will to win. And I am on Washington plus three, and they better be trying hard. These two teams rated equally. This is all about home field advantage. The Giants are being given three. I think that's too much. I'm on Washington plus three. They're not being given three. They're saying that the Giants are much better than a Washington team that people don't think is trying to win. By the way, what was the Giants' yards per uh, attempt on offense last game? You got it in front of you? I don't have it in front of me. What's the NFL average? 5.7 this year. How's three and a half? Oof. Think about this. This was the game the Giants were supposed to. Their offense woke up. It's like three and a half yards of play. They just got lucky with some turnovers. Giants just as bad as ever. Even the Cowboys could shut them down. You want to pull that pick back? No. 
All right. To the AFC North we go where the Browns are at the Steelers. Pittsburgh, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. To me, Baker Mayfield is one of the stories of the year. And you could say it's a redemption story. Look at this record. Okay, maybe for the Browns. I think, in fact, yes, for the Browns. Mayfield's had a below-average year. Not worse than last year. He's just been put in better, or not better even than last year. He's just been put in better situations. Well, you know what Pittsburgh does, don't you? They put pressure on you. That's one thing you can know for sure. Steelers this year are putting pressure on you. Well, how's Mayfield do against pressure? 38th in the NFL, yards per pass attempt under pressure. Less than four yards a pass attempt. As average in the NFL of all passes, seven and a half. It's tougher under pressure. He's literally, there's only 32 teams. He's number 38. Oh, by the way, Steelers, number one in the NFL putting pressure on you. What do you think of that? And now Baker has a rib issue, so he may not even be 100%. And that means he might not finish the game. The Ravens are nine-point favorites at the Eagles. Baltimore's been amazing with their blowing out bad teams. The dozen games that weren't playoff games, the regular season games before the Kansas City game, they had one against the spread, ATS margin they caught by over 15 points. It's amazing. The next best team, the second best team in the NFL during that span, five points. So triple as much, literally, Baltimore. Now, what's happened since? What's happened since is they got crushed by KC, but okay, they have trouble with KC. Then they pushed against Washington right in that range, and then and then they beat the Bengals really bad. So you could make a big point, oh, they're back. Okay, it's a... The problem is Lamar Jackson running the ball. If you actually look at it, he is ranked right now by Football Outsiders as the 29th best running quarterback in the NFL this season. The best running quarterback is now the 29th running quarterback. By the way, lowest number of attempts in his career last week against the Bengals, only two rushing attempts. There's something wrong with Lamar. He's not nearly as effective, uh, as effective. Be careful thinking it's the same Baltimore offense. And I'm on Philly, and the numbers here, Lamar averaged 12 rushes per game last year, 10 this year before the injury, and with only two, I agree, something's wrong with Lamar. The Bengals are at the Colts, Indianapolis, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite on pregame.com. Now let's think what the likely outcome of this game is down the stretch. You have a big dog, so the theory is the favorite's going to be winning. Can they run the ball? Can Indy run the ball? Well, Cincy yields 5.3 yards per attempt, and they're banged up on the D-line. That's about as bad as defense gets against the run, so the coach should be able to run the ball. Well, how will the dog do throwing from behind? Well, when you know you're going to pass the other team, you better be able to protect Well, since he gave up seven sacks last week to Baltimore, 15 QB hits, it feels like there's value, but I'm worried that this doesn't set up well for Cincy. They can't stop the run. They can't protect their passer thrown from behind. And I'm on the Bengals in this game, and this is my number six pick, and it's all about Phillip Rivers, who I think is very overrated, and I just don't see Indy getting margin in this game. Okay, we're coming down the home stretch. 
When we come back, we'll finish up the games. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. You know, Jonas, we haven't had one all year, I don't think. I'm doing a crossfire with Fez. I looked at his last pick here, and I disagree with it so much, I'm going to auto-bet against it. So let's do this. Let's take a break. Last break. When we come back, we got three more games to go, including one of Fez's favorite picks, and I'm betting against the two-time Super Contest champion. And that's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, R.J., we have three games left to preview in the NFL this coming Sunday, plus a crossfire, a rare crossfire between you and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, we're going to do the crossfire. I think we do this, Jonas. Let's do the Jets, Miami, then Denver, New England, and then Green Bay, Tampa is the crossfire. All right, so let's get it started. Let's go to Miami where the Dolphins, nine-point-plus nine underdogs a week ago, find themselves in the complete opposite role, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite hosting the Jets. How bad are the Jets that Miami <laughs> is laying almost double digits? Woo-fa. I'll tell you this, and this is important to remember. The Jets, everyone's talking about Sam Darnold and Casper and all that. If you look at their shortfall this year, meaning how much have they fallen short of expectation and said, well, how much of the fault's offense on the Jets and how much is defense? Over 70% of the fault is defense. You can just do projected scores, see how many points they gave up, and literally more than two-thirds of the fall is defense. So Sam Darnold, I'm critical of him. I think rightfully so. But the offense is much less of a problem for the Jets than the defense, and people just are not talking about that. RJ, we find ourselves with a Broncos-Patriots matchup. Finally, they are set to kick off on Sunday where New England's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Well, let me say this. I put up one of my favorite tweets ever at RJ in Vegas. It was my last tweet, and it has a picture of Bill Belichick. It look, he looks unshaven. He looks homeless, to be candid. <laughs> and it says the following. Since 2003, after losing by double digits, that's happened 23 times to Belichick, he is 21-2 and two straight up, 19-4 and four against the spread. That is ex- exclusive to us. You don't see this any. Oh, you'll see it soon enough other places. 19-4 and four against the spread. Now you add in, he's had two weeks. You add in, Drew Locke is a second-year quarterback. I know there's the COVID scare and all that, but if this game goes, got to like the Pats. And, RJ, that brings us to our final matchup. It's our crossfire. It's the game of the day on Sunday, 425 Eastern time kick on Fox. Packers at the Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Green Bay, a one-point favorite right now on pregame.com. Well, listen, when you hear this music, you know there's a battle going on. Now, Fez, what am I doing right now? What am I eating? Looks like peanuts. 
And what am I drinking? Mountain Dew. I'm that not nervous. <laughs> you can start. All right. So I am on Tampa Bay here at Pickham. One week ago, you could bet this game, and Tampa Bay was a three-point favorite. What has happened since? Well, nothing happened with Green Bay. They were on a bye. Tampa Bay, they lost at Chicago. That looks bad, right? However, if you look at that game, Tampa Bay really outplayed the Bears. They won the yardage by 100-plus. Several things went wrong in that game that allowed the Bears to escape with the win, but I did not downgrade Tampa at all. I'm on Tampa Bay at a much cheaper price at Pick'em here. Okay, here's the question, though. If there was a crazy line, you, your mom ever say if someone jumped off the bridge, what would you do? She'd ask me how high the bridge is. Uh, <laughs> try to be a human for a second. You ever hear that phrase? <laughs> yes. Okay. So w- what I'm saying is that the fact there was a crazy bad line with Tampa Bay favored by three, you should have bet that or you should have bet Green Bay in that case. But what do you, who's the better team? Who's better between Tampa and Green, Green Bay? Green Bay. Okay. What's home field advantage? One. Okay. So that means that the line at best. So how many points is Green Bay better? I am two points better. Why are you mumbling your words? Say it. Green two. Bay is two points better than Tampa. So that means Green Bay should be favored by one. Yes. But somehow at Pickham, you think the pick is on Tampa. Hmm. Confused. 82 degrees a kickoff. <laughs> it's been in 50 degrees high in Green Bay all week long. I do feel the heat and humidity will get to the Packers. I got to tell you something, Jonas. This might have been one of the funniest moments ever on the podcast. He was talking about that weather for 10 minutes. And literally, the other guy, Matt, says, you know the game starts at 4.30 Eastern, don't you? And then he st- his face was dropping <laughs> like the stock market was crashing. It ends up that like by the second quarter, it's going to be like 68 degrees. And he's saying that the, the heat is why he likes Tampa. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm betting against you. Oh, by the way, Colin Cowherd, he has the pick on Monday. So we'll have that for you on Monday night. Two games Monday night. If you missed any of today's show, including a preview of every game in the NFL this coming Sunday, go to the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We are back on Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 